I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who, if combined, would make one hell of a woodworker. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is show number 560. And on today's show, we're going to talk about employees. Woodworking isn't a real job. And what impresses you? Man, that's those are, those are vague. Ain't, ain't much topics. anymore. <laughs> it takes a lot. Wow. Okay. But before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before November 30th at rockler.com slash woodtalk. And if you want to support the show, you can, you know, you can totally do so. You can head over to patreon.com slash woodtalk and sign up to become a patron of the show. Join me on thanking. Greg Batts. <laughs> the, the look, uh, Shane, look, look away, Shane. It's like, away. Just, just like, how did, how I, did get I get here? here? <laughs> what am I doing? What has gone wrong this in is my, my life, life now? <laughs> <laughs> Millie Amos or Amos, Chad Dreyer, uh, Les DeLacy, and Peter DeWitt. All right. I'd give you about a 75% success rate on those. Yeah, That's better than good. usual. Yeah, pretty good accuracy today. All right, let's start out with some news today. Uh, Johnny V wrote in. He says, uh, you know, basically because we're doing, I, I mentioned something about doing more news segments. He gave us some news. Uh, they're both Lee Valley. Is that all we do now is Lee Valley? I was going to say, it feels like it. it's the Lee Valley news segment. That's, First, they well, put well, it they was got a lot going on up there, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Global domination is, is uh, Robin Lee's plan, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Must be the case. All right. So we got uh, one news item here. Lee Valley bought Ron Hawk Tools several months ago. Did you guys know about this? I must have missed it. You know, no. I, I feel like Ron said something about retiring, but I didn't yeah. realize that had happened. So wow. Ron is a great guy. He makes um, 
I don't know what he does in his full tool line. I know him best for his irons. He always makes aftermarket yeah. irons that everyone would be like, oh, you're tuning up a hand plane? Get that get that hawk iron in there, right? It was just kind of like a go-to thing. He also literally wrote the book on sharpening not too long ago, if I remember correctly. So mm-hmm. seems like a good dude. And again, I, anything that ends up in Lee Valley's hands doesn't seem like it's going to be a bad thing from what I guess, what I've seen from that company. Sure. <laughs> then they also bought the, how do you pronounce this? Shannon, be all tool company or Beal? Beal, isn't there an E on the end? I think there's supposed to be another Maybe, E. I just did a copy paste here, so there might yeah. be two L's. They're the that. that's the wooden thread company. Yeah, the threaders, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. If you want to make a wooden threaded vice or something like that, yeah. I don't know. That's well, pretty clearly cool. we have no idea. <laughs> I mean, it, that that's pretty cool. I would like to see Lee Valley do more of that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so he says that the uh, this was quietly announced back in January. They both will be distributed under the original name via Veritas through Lee Valley. So he says, there you go. News on a platter. That's how we like it. Cause if it there requires us to do the work, probably ain't going to happen. Yeah. You handed it to us a platter and we did nothing, but just pass the platter. <laughs> we just passed it on. All right. Got a little bit of kickback here, Shannon. I'll let you. Read uh, this yeah. He said, uh, one tip who, who's this from Pat? Um, one tip for dealing with plywood and its tendency to warp and move is don't use it. Um, I work in the architectural millwork industry and we only use particle board or MDF core veneered panels. It's much more stable than veneer core plywood and stays flat under normal conditions. Plus it has a uniform thickness from panel to panel. We use it for everything from custom wall paneling to cabinet carcasses and doors. The downside to these types of panels for the hobbyist woodworker is that they are not available in Home Depot and Lowe's and it has a lot more weight per panel than veneer core. I know a lot of people in the woodworking community look down on MDF and particle board, but you can't beat it when you need a perfectly flat, stable veneered panel. Excellent point. Um, Mm -hmm. Not wrong. Yeah. You know, and if you want to get halfway, you can do a combi core where you've got veneer um, with uh, um, like an MDF core or sometimes the, the, Solid wood veneer will be your core with flanking MDF. Those combi core panels can uh, give you a lot of the same stability and cut down on the weight if that's an issue. But yeah, yeah that I, was one of my favorites. When, once you get that MDF layer there, it's mm-hmm. as far as stability and like a lack of voids, it's almost as good as a solid MDF panel. <clears throat> Just that last little eighth of an inch uh, is really nice if you could find it. And I know, um, like in not all woodworkers necessarily poo poo this, like a lot of the guys in the marquetry and the veneering world, they're all about this, mm-hmm. like the Paul churches of the world. Um, uh, um, who's the other, the, the, the marquetry guys, Patrick Silas Edwards Cop. and his, yes. Um, that's the one I was, couldn't think of. Um, they're always about MDF core. Yeah, it's true. It's only two in the world. So both of them. But I I remember going to a a thing at woodworking in America with uh, Steve Lotta and he was talking about MDF core and phenolic, uh, MDF core, Ah, really, really super, super flat stuff. But yeah, nice. Also highly specialty and very hard to find. That's the trick. You got to be able to find this stuff locally. Otherwise you're paying those crazy shipping rates. Okay. So this is a dining table episode today. You know, a lot of times this comes from things that are top of mind and experiences we're having, and that's certainly what's going on right now. So the topic today is employees, hiring them, our experiences, or or lack thereof, because in some cases, some of us refuse to hire anyone because we we just want to hog it all to ourselves. Right, Matt? Is that what it is? You want to hog all the work. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. You won't share. Something like that. 
<laughs> so greedy, so selfish. Just so uh, mine. In my case, I do occasionally hire people, at least the last few years. Um, there's there's definitely been people in my shop and then people working for us, so I have interesting experiences with that. Um, Shannon is more commercial, right? Like uh, with what you do, you have experience with a much bigger operation and seeing the flow of mm-hmm. employees in and out and what that looks like. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the I could say that door. My uh, my reason for bringing this up is because I just lost an employee. So my brother-in-law, Jason, is the first, actually the first place I'm actually saying something about this publicly. Jason decided that he wanted to go back to uh, operating heavy machinery, which is what he was doing prior to working for me. This is now the second time Jason's uh, quit. <laughs> just, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's me. Hey, it's like a show. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> no, seriously, though, this, this technically is the second time, but... The whole point of him working here was in that first year, we were we had so many things to do that were not necessarily fine woodworking. They were just things we needed to get done to make this place into a functional shop. He was indispensable for that in, in helping me get to that point. But at the end of a year, the agreement was that we would reevaluate. That year came in August. We did reevaluate. And what has happened over the past year was because, you know, he is my brother-in-law. He's not just some dude off the street. I wanted to continue working with him. So I had to make some changes over the course of this year to evolve the position to be something that's kind of customized specifically for his skill set. And we did get there and we got to a point where we're like, okay, it's been a year. While we didn't necessarily do the thing I thought we were going to do, which is train him up to be, you know, a very qualified woodworker, I still think there's a need to keep him here. So let's keep moving forward. We did that. But then a few weeks later, he decided it was, he wanted to do something else. He had some moments of clarity and uh, decided that he wanted to go back into the heavy machinery stuff, which technically pays better. And I'm pretty much paying him at the maximum of my budget that I would be able to pay him. Um, You know, we're not that big of a company. So Ultimately, that's what wound up happening. So this kind of was fresh in my mind about like, am I going to hire someone else? Do I really need someone in the shop specifically? I've got a lot of like gopher tasks that I could really use some help from an assistant to do some of the shipping stuff that we do here now, sandpaper related things, even material pickup. Those things would be really handy to have someone for. But do I need a woodworker for the kind of work that I do? And I'm leaning on the side of no, certainly not for the rest of the year. Maybe we'll rethink this in 2024, but for now, I'm kind of enjoying being alone. I've always enjoyed being alone in my shop <laughs> and working with someone else truly changes the dynamic and being a content-based business, our needs are going to be a little bit different than someone who's just purely making stuff for yeah. clients. You need those extra hands. You need those skilled woodworkers. Totally makes sense in that case. But in my case, it doesn't really speed things up that much for me. In fact, it often slows things down um, in an interesting way. So that's kind of what's going on with me. Uh, we can get into some of this stuff a little bit deeper, but the big question I have is specifically for Matt, a guy who kind of does something very parallel to what I do. Why haven't you hired anybody at any point in this process? Um, I, I think it just comes down to like really thinking about what the business is. And I have, I have a hard time separating myself from it. Clearly. I think that's obvious. Mm-hmm. I can't seem to like pull myself away or like think about like, can I actually like delegate these to other people? Yeah. I'm a content business. That's the that's the core of what I do. And there's not a whole lot of things that I can really pull off and be like, okay, you can do this. Because here, what happens is that if they're doing something, then that thing is no longer content because I'm not doing it. That's the hard part for me. So for and 
I don't do a whole lot of these like random weird things that often. It's like five minutes here, 10 minutes there, a few minutes here. And it's all kind of whenever, wherever it's like moving things or putting things away. Like that's, that's easy. I can do that whenever I don't have enough like things to give this person to do that they can do off camera Mm -hmm. for like an assistant position. Yeah. Now that makes sense because that would be one of my challenges. Um, If we had, Okay, good example is Nicole's closet project. We had mm-hmm. a lot of plywood to process. So once I capture the two or three cuts or the two and three you know, passes of applying finish, um, I don't need to do the whole thing. I could walk away and do something else. Everything else is done off camera because it's just repetitive. But how right. often with what we do, how often does that actually happen? And that's it, what I've realized. The problem is like scheduling that too. It's like, okay, yeah. my, my life does not work that well scheduled like that. Where my, okay, at 10 o'clock on Tuesday – I'm going to make three cuts on some plywood and then you're going to come in and finish cutting them. That sounds like, I don't even think that'd be feasibly possible to like plan it that way. No. So I would end up having someone sitting here twiddling their thumbs, waiting for me to be done with my two shots on camera so they can mm-hmm. come in and finish cutting plywood. Well, and I, th- I think one of the ways that we were able to make that work is number one, the person is full time. So they're there all the time. Now, you, if you can justify paying them for time that you don't think That's they're the actually like, you, utilizing. You, you got to come, come with enough stuff for them to do full time. That's the stress mm-hmm. of it is I always I, that, feel guilty. That, that would worry the bejesus out of me. Yeah. Like, like, I, okay, I can I tell you. I find things for this person to do all the time. <laughs> totally. And one thing that made it a little easier is actually having a separate building. So now this building itself has its own specific needs in terms mm-hmm. of emptying garbage, maintaining the property, um, cleaning the litter box. Sure. <laughs> Just the thing thing that happens now. And then once we got into other tertiary things to support the business, like selling lumber, Nicole had pushed him to start doing some of the basic projects that we've done over the years so that we can actually make these custom little pieces and sell those on the website with you know our logo on them. Okay. Uh, just yep. a fun little thing to do. So we, we would come up with those things and shipping. Shipping was another big one that was super easy for him to do. Any orders that come in that we're responsible for here, he would just pack and ship those. That's what I meant by over the course of the year, evolving the position to work for his skill set. But in terms of a pure woodworker being in the shop, I just feel like they would be frustrated. They would be yeah. absolutely frustrated with that <laughs> choice. Uh, this was the problem that I had with John in Denver when he worked with me. Yeah. John knew how to do woodworking. Um, he like, was there to help. I like this. Like, well, you got to stop all the time and move a camera and think of what you're saying. And yeah, the stop and not, go. You're not woodworking. You're producing content. It's, yeah, it's a so different you, mindset. So you have like two choices. You either bring someone who's unskilled, who is perfectly fine just sweeping, emptying the garbage, doing all those things, right? Which really at best is a part-time position. Or you bring someone in who is skilled, in which case they're probably going to get real bored real fast, you know? So in the content creation business, I do find it very tricky to justify having a person in the shop. Um, So I wanted to also talk with you, Shannon, about more of how this works in a real, you know, commercial setting, (laughs) Where it's not, business. you're not hiring your brother-in-law real necessarily, business, yes. <laughs> like yeah. a real business. Say so we uh, we don't need to perpetuate that. It's hard enough to get home loans when you're a content creator. They don't <laughs> consider it a real business. Yeah, I can't tell you the number of times we have to prove our income in various mm-hmm. different ways. Anytime oh, yeah. you want to get some kind of a loan because they don't understand it, they no. don't believe it. No, yeah, my my hand tool school business. Has has been a, a, a greater income generator than my W two jobs for years now, but I end up leading with the W two job, even though it's like 
a third of my total income. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and they're, they're usually they're okay with that, you know, but then if they're yeah. ever like, well, can you show anything else? I'm like, well, actually, yeah, I've got, you know, all this income. I'm like, well, why didn't you show me that at first? I said, well, here's the thing. Yeah. yeah. Still today. Um, I do, I do think you guys both need to draw a distinction though. There's employees and then there is help like mm-hmm. freelance help or 1099 or a hiring help. Like this show, we have a video editor. Um, you both have used video editors from time to time. Um, yeah. Matt has a consultant in the name of Donovan, um, you know, who is a <laughs> sub, if you will, who's come in he to is. help with certain things. I mean, there are virtual assistants and, and I'm thinking of a lot of the other, especially very successful content creators out there that have farmed out a lot of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, those are employees. Maybe they're not W2 employees, but it's something to seriously to, to think about. Like sure. there are a number of employees that go on behind the scenes. But I also think that from a content creation where I've seen this successful is hiring another person and essentially creating another content creator. Oh, oh of course now every example is, is leaving my head, but, um, Silas Goff. <laughs> yes. No, I've seen it done where like, like you've got, you know, here's Mark Spagnolo and he's the wood whisperer, but then you've got like, um, uh, you know, a minute with, with Steve and Steve style is different or this project. And, and Mark, you've done this with yes, guild, yeah. like guest instructors and things yeah, like yeah. that, where you've got this other woodworker that maybe, you know, here's Steve's corner and Steve's going to show you how this is done. Um, that gets even trickier, though. Like, yeah, to wrap oh, yeah, my yeah. brain around that sharing of the spotlight, for lack of a better way to to word it, and then also making sure your audience is okay with that person. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, like, because ideally, that person would be different than you are. Mm-hmm. And as much as the three be, of us, yeah. I like to think we have great chemistry, but if we, let's say we were going to partner together and show up on each other's channels all the time, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure people would love that. Like, it might be funny. Wood Talk listeners might enjoy yeah. it for a few minutes. I'm set of the audience. They would love it. But in the end, they'd be like, look, I didn't subscribe to you, Matt, so that I could see that, you know, ding dong mark on your channel. Like, it could be problematic. I don't think we'd be friends anymore. No, most likely not. It would ruin everything. <laughs> it, would. it would not work. <laughs> we could be close, but not that close. There are limits. Yeah, right. <laughs> so anyway, to, to Mark, to, to your question, um, the, the, the issue of like, do we hire skilled labor or unskilled labor and essentially train them to what we want to do is something we're constantly working with a, because skilled labor practically doesn't exist in this market and especially in my region. Uh, yeah, there's just all of, all of the, um, manufacturing industrial type jobs have disappeared because everybody wants to have high tech. You know, the cities are all pushing high tech industries and essentially white collar type positions to the point where even the schools are saying, you know, if you want a real career, you need to go to college. And yeah. you know, meanwhile, the, the three certified welders in the state of Maryland are laughing all the way to the bank um, <laughs> because we still need plumbers and electricians and welders and they're making a fortune right now. We are constantly hiring. It is a constant revolving door. And the biggest thing that we've had to figure out is not not so much the type of person to hire, but how do we keep enough bodies moving in to offset the bodies moving out? And I don't know whether that's a generational thing, a, a post-COVID type thing, or just, you know, seasonality. Like, because we have a millwork house, 
up in Pennsylvania where there is still a lot of skilled labor and there are still manufacturing jobs and things like that. And there are actual trade schools up there producing cabinet makers. And um, yeah, there's so much competition for skilled labor, but you still need somebody to mill lumber. You still need somebody to just sit there and feed a planer. And that type of work is really hard when you take a skilled cabinet maker or door maker. They want to be doing building doors. Mm -hmm. But to build doors, you've got to, especially these days, you've got to glue up composite styles, rail and style stock. You've got to skin it with you know, three eighths inch veneer and things like that. And there's a huge amount of lumber prep and mindless feeding machine type work that none of these guys want to do. So then it's like, well, you know, do we hire skilled people to just like do joinery? And then do we hire unskilled people just to feed machines and sweep up? And that becomes even more of a nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. So the real irony is, is there's actually a greater market for unskilled labor because you can have them one day, moving plywood around, literally Mm -hmm. like picking it up and moving it around. And the next day feeding a machine and catching on a machine. And then like when it comes to the the right project, you can teach them a skill. You can teach them about mortise and tenon joinery. And that's like a really cool event for them. And they've learned a new skill, but tomorrow they're emptying the trash or mixing finish, um, things like that. That person, that's a jack of all trades. It's so much more valuable because there's just, there's too much in a woodworking business, there's too much variability because invariably <laughs> there, there's uh-huh. something new every day that's inherent in the custom woodworking business. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's become impossible to like write a job description anymore and hire a specific type of person. And the people that have done well for us and continue to stick around, you know, day after day after day are the ones that are okay. One day, like we have a guy who uh, essentially his training is in like grass cutting and, and lawn maintenance. And when the grass needs cutting on the property, he's the guy doing it. But he's also like doing plumbing work and he's doing electrical work. Handyman kind of thing. Yeah. He was helping me with finishes the other day. I mean, he's, and he's like an incredibly valuable person on, on our staff. And more importantly, you just got to kill a work ethic and whatever needs to be done. He was sealing blacktop the other day. It's like whatever needs to be done. He's my guy. Um, That's the challenge of that. Finding someone who's okay with that, you know, actually able to do it and then Mm -hmm. okay with not being so specialized. Yeah. But then they make themselves invaluable because, I mean, that's where I'm at with, with Jason now. He wasn't specialized at woodworking, but there is a lot of stuff that he did that now either me or Nicole will have to do. <laughs> and yeah. that adds up over time if you keep giving that person those jobs. And they yeah. can be very difficult to replace. Yeah. I mean, you find that specialized woodworker, A, they're a lot more expensive, and B, they will not empty the litter box. <laughs> no. No, they won't. No. Well, funny thing you were talking about – um, you know, the, the, the people, the trained people not being there, we had a carpet installed not too long ago and it took about five days for this guy to do it. It was our entire basement (laughs) and the guy took five days to do it, worked by himself outside of one time where the boss came in and helped him bring some of the folded material down into the basement, did it all himself. And I was like, not that I don't mind you know, hanging out with you for five days, but, um, why, why did this take so long? And he's like, we can't find anybody that wants mm. to work at this point. We can't find yeah. anyone that sticks around long enough to learn the work. And I just do it myself now. It's like, yeah. that's unbelievable. And I'm, and I'm, I've heard that sort of sentiment across the board in all, um, you know, skilled trades that are becoming a little bit more difficult to find those people. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing that I 
kind of didn't want to get into because <laughs> yeah, it makes me yeah. sound judgy. But yeah, I mean, like working in a lumber yard, working in a millwork house is hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lumber yard. It's outside. So it's, it's hot and humid or it's cold and wet. You know, very rarely is it, you know, a beautiful day. You know, <laughs> it's a couple hours yeah. a day. But even when it's a beautiful day, like lumber's heavy, man. And there's a lot of dust and there's a lot of noise and, you know, wearing hearing protection all day long gets uncomfortable. And yeah, it's not one of those things, you know, we, we look for qualified forklift operators, but we actually say, you know, you may think you're qualified until you come to work here. This is <laughs> off-road forklifting. Like this is like jungle rules forklifting. Um, and, and if you screw up, like it's 25,000 pounds that just dropped and oh, by the way, it's teak and it's uh-huh. worth more than your car, you know? Um, so well, well more than your car, frankly, to drive a forklift into a lumber shed, the lumber sheds are kind of up on berms in order to, to, to facilitate water runoff. So when the forklifts come in and you've got it lined up, but as you get closer, your lift hits that berm and your forks go straight up in the air. So you have to like, be able to like, you know, rub your tummy and pat your head at the same time and chew gum and operate a stick shift (laughs) because those forks have to be, you know, moving independent of what the the lift is doing. And the weight is so huge. And yeah, it's, there's, it's a totally different game, but you could take a job at Amazon working on a paved warehouse with maybe not climate control or maybe pretty close. And it ends up being a much better work environment. That's hard to compete with. Very hard to compete with. I think there's a lot of people that work at Amazon that would disagree with you. Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) um, many people have gone to work at Amazon and they come back two weeks later because it's, it's apparently not the friendliest place to work and and a little bit high, high stress. Yeah. Yeah. That and the robots are slowly uh, replacing them. Taking over. I understand. Yeah. Well, you know, this is something we're interested in hearing from you guys. I know we probably have a wide variety of people from uh, pro shop woodworkers to hobbyists and people who might even be getting into the content game. I'm always interested personally watching what other people do, especially people like Matt, who are doing something very similar to me. His decision to not do this tells me he's he knows something I don't because it's deliberate, right? Or I don't. Or he's just really dumb. <laughs> or he just dumb. hasn't figured it out. Should have done yet. this a long time ago. <laughs> Yeah. One or the other, I got a 50-50 shot. <laughs> but I want to know I, what uh, your experience I have, is. I like. have focused on like making my time as efficient as possible, however the, yeah. that might be. Right. Uh, for me, most of the time has been like, okay, I bought equipment to make moving things around like nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's all about more maximizing my time Yeah. until I get to the no, point where makes, I can't maximize anymore and then I'll start looking. Makes perfect sense. And really, if you're going to farm anything out, kind of like Shannon said, you may not have to hire a full-time editor like I've got. You may still be able to get, and you've done this in the past too, working with editors to offload the thing that's probably the easiest skill set for you to just let go of, right? That's There's other things you would... Fortunately, uh, Brad is doing my edits now. He's actually very good. So like, I get the the edits back from him. I don't do anything. I got books. Like, I don't know why I watch this. Yeah, I, yeah. I watch it because I'm interested to see how it worked. But by the way, I that's how I anything. am. That's how I am with the wood talk videos now. Um, <laughs> Todd always throws up a preliminary rough cut, and I'm like, uh, "Yeah, I watched it. Looks good. <laughs> like he does. <laughs> he does a great job with it. I know I don't have to think about it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you get confidence in someone, it's it's quite nice. All right. Well, you guys know uh, who doesn't have a problem hiring qualified employees. <laughs> I don't know. Do we know that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just guessing. They I mean, got a I go there, or something? They seem helpful and happy whenever I go there. 
I don't know. Sure. Yeah, I'm talking about Rockler, you guys. Oh, Your family. Okay. I thought, <laughs> Just in case you we're talking sure. about Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Not Amazon. <laughs> Rockler is a family-owned Rockler. business that's been around since 1954. They're known for their proprietary products, which help woodworkers create with confidence. Some of the newest innovative products include Rockler's FlexiPort Click Connect Adapter for shop vacuum hoses, which lets you use various brands of shop vacuum hoses with Rockler's FlexiPort Click Connect. Boy, they couldn't have given me a more difficult thing to say. Click Connect system of handheld power tool dust ports. Rockler's new dust right clamping hose holder, which clamps hoses up to four inches in diameter. Right where you need them with just a quick squeeze. Great for point source dust collection in awkward spots. And Rockler's straight line rip hold down clamps that can be used to build your own straight line ripping jig for rough lumber or slabs up to 40 inches long and one and five eighths thick. Find all of their innovative products at rockler.com or in Rockler stores. We'll have the links for these three things. The quick connects, the clamping hose holders, and the straight line rip hold down clamps. You can go check them out. So thanks for Rockler uh, sponsoring us. Appreciate it. You guys are great. Love you and your employees. One of the one of the biggest conspiracy theories or conspiracies in woodworking is dust ports. Now they all seem to be slightly different. They don't work together. <laughs> Nothing fits inside anything else. Or oh, it's awful. It's yeah. I'm gonna let Can't that we hang. just get along? Can't we just get along? <laughs> Can we just collect dust? Nope, Jeez, we people. cannot. That's why we have to develop the little router thing that they came up with that collects from the router. Because no one can get along in the world of dust collection. There we go. Okay. Let's get to our questions. Got a couple of them here. Uh, Alex Adams, the meme machine, wrote in. He says, woodworking isn't a real job. I think he used the uh, SpongeBob meme where he's like, dirt, like that. Uh, So he says, I recently committed to... Committed to pursuing woodworking full-time, and while I'm excited for this career change, I get a lot of pushback that woodworking isn't... Congratulations, Alex. Yeah, congrats. Woodworking isn't a real job, but nobody is brave enough to actually say it, so it comes in as backhanded compliments, such as, is that all you're doing right now? Do you make profit? (laughs) Are there other part-time jobs for you in the area? Do you get a 401k? Generally, I stick to yes or no responses since the person asking the question generally doesn't understand why someone would do anything other than a nine to five job and trying to convince them that would be just a waste of time. Uh, They think I'm wasting my engineering degree, even though the reason I pursued my degree is because I love designing and building things. I also value the flexibility because I can always go back to higher paying roles that I've had in the past, but my son only grows up once. Great point. So my question to you guys is how did you deal with these types of negative comments, which questioned your life choices, both early on in your woodworking career and even now so that they don't drag you down? Well, I'm (laughs) going to take your uh, insulting questions, Alex, and, and raise you slightly By letting you know the responses to this are even worse when it's 2006 and you tell people you're making a podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For a living. Um, Those conversations. Well before podcasts were cool and then cool again. Yeah. Yeah. And this is when podcasts used to be able to be video. Uh, Terminology was even different back then. Everybody was on iTunes and not YouTube. So telling people that you make instructional woodworking videos online in 2006, 2007, you get a lot of puzzled looks. The way I dealt with it was I didn't say that. When people ask me what I did, I build furniture. That's all I do. Yeah, and I'm still, that's, that's to trap. this day, it is, yeah. To this day, I still have that habit. We'll meet someone or like we'll get a delivery at the shop and somebody comes in, what do you guys do here? Oh, I make custom furniture. 
And then they see a camera and they're like, oh, what's with the, this is like a YouTube channel. And I'm like, yes, it's like a YouTube channel. <laughs> like <laughs> that actually is part of, um, you know, people's thought process. Now they understand the YouTuber thing. So you can yeah. throw that out there. Now, whether they respect it or not, I don't know. That's, <laughs> that depends on who you're talking to, but it's actually a whole lot easier now than it was back then. And I would imagine just, I mean, that's, that's, that's fine. Uh, the, the, the woodworking, if you're just simply saying I'm, I'm a woodworker, I build things. I would think, especially these days that that would be getting a little bit easier since a lot of people have done this change to crafting things, you know, yeah. making stuff with their hands. They could, they might be able to see why someone would want to do that. Um, but you I guys, find there's I mean, a fair bit of respect that comes with that. Now, when you say you're a woodworker, yeah. people dig that, like they get it. It's Maybe neat. they don't get it and like they could, they, they've done it, but they, they know what that means. Um, yeah, it's intriguing. Although you will still get the people who put little in front of things. How's that little woodworking thing doing? You know, how's that little <laughs> that, video thing doing? Or, yeah, or business of yours. Or like I get from my mother-in-law, how's that little school of yours? <laughs> <laughs> how's that little school doing? That's great. Uh, yeah. We had a um, weird situation when we moved into our neighborhood that we heard through the grapevine that other neighbors didn't like us. A, a particular set of neighbors didn't like us. Now, this was information passing through children, which means you know how that goes. Who knows oh, nice. what was actually said? But that they don't like us because they don't respect how we make a living. Um, mm. And I'm like, okay, fair, <laughs> I guess. But the impression, see, now it's not even YouTube. When we moved in, what got around the neighborhood was that we were on TikTok. And it was nice. mostly because the kids asked, oh, are you, like they found out what we did. Oh, are you on TikTok? And it's like, well, yeah, we're on TikTok. So it got around that we are TikTokers. That got to the family. And that was where the, the, the like, we don't respect what they do for a living. Not that it would make a difference <laughs> if it was YouTube or Instagram. These are people who don't understand how the world works in 2023 and have, you know, problems with alternative ways of making a living. But yeah, it was, it was a little awkward to hear that from a, from a child or through these kids talking to each other. I'm like, what do you mean? They don't like us. What the hell did we do? Like we, we had just moved in. <laughs> so one of these days, there's going to be a real awkward block party. I could tell you that <laughs> it's going to be good. Um, you guys said. Uh, any, any, how about you, Matt? Like, this is probably something given that, you know, you had a career switch here. Um, you know, your wife's got a real job. Uh huh. So, how do you explain what you do with your time? I, I don't. It's kind of nice. <laughs> I just, just stand don't. behind my wife. I don't, I don't talk to people. <laughs> she, she I let her do the talking. Kind of nice. See, see her, if, if her you can watch the video right now, you can see that Matt doesn't get out very much. I don't just like, he didn't and, and when he it. does get out, people don't want to talk to him. They kind of give him a wide berth. Well, that's why he nah. does this. Look at him. He looks like he's on his way to murder someone just for fun. Right. He's got that Unabomber feel right totally. now. Oh, so good. People just avoid <laughs> him. <laughs> You Not don't have to explain you yourself about. when they when they cross the other side of the street. One of the three He's got of like us. a <laughs> you got like a prison Jesus thing going on today. <laughs> Definitely someone you want to avoid. Wait till you see my jailbreak. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Okay. So wait, I did have a question. I think did I? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I think you derailed this one. I don't know who. Which one of you derailed I may, this? I may. I may have. I'm sorry. You ask the question and then you immediately derail it. <laughs> that's what I do here. That's what I do. Uh, apparently that's, that's all right. New, new thing so, for you. 
you're going to pick up a kid from school and you're, you're standing in line doing what parents do when they pick up their kids. And then someone goes, uh, you, they start a small talk little thing and they go, um, Hey, what do you do for a living? How do you handle that? What do you say? I don't know why I'd be in that situation to begin with, but, um, I know you don't pick your kids up. I know. Well, it's, it's in the car. You're like, you don't, what you have your, a nanny for, you don't leave your vehicle. Oh, that's oh. also true. Yes. She picks the kids up <laughs> most of the days. I got Fridays. Yeah, this is true as well. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking I'm of employees. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. Yes. I, that's my one employee that I've had for eight years, six years, makes, how long? That, six, six years. Makes old those kids employee. Are. I have one. All right. So let's assume you are standing in line, not waiting in the car, <laughs> and uh, you know and, another dad and is there and says, to "Do all my speaking for me." <laughs> right, another dad's like, uh, "Hey, what do you do there, guy?" The I, it depends on the person and like who, what I think their like responses are going to be. Oh, yeah. look, here's my wife. Yep. Speaking to the boss, the there boss is. is here, mm-hmm. boss lady. Don't want the real job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the one that actually makes money. <laughs> Uh, it kind of depends on the, like the age of the person. I, I kind of like, yeah, it's definitely ageist about like what, I, what I tell people. Yeah. What they um, might comprehend. The, the younger the person, the more willing I am to tell them what I actually do. Mm-hmm. Cause they'll actually understand the older they are. They have, there's just the, the blank stares kind of happen. Yeah. They don't know how you make money doing that. Yeah, and it kind of depends on like how long I want to stand there for or how long I'm planning to stand there for. Because <laughs> yeah. if I tell them that I'm a woodworker, they're probably going to get excited about it and ask me the things I build. And that will get into the question of like, okay, well, who buys your stuff? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, well, nobody buys it. And like, okay, well, then you got to talk about how you make mine. Like, oh, I make it on the internet. Oh, how does that work? And or like, worse yet, like, Matt, I'll tell you what will happen if you tell them you're a woodworker half the time. You know, do you, um, do you ever do – my wife wants this thing. And it's like, yeah. ah, no, 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 no. no. Never mind. Yeah. I was lying. Yeah. That was that was a joke. I, <laughs> I'm so glad you I'm said that. Joking. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> what? Just wanted to see what you would say. Always ask you, can you make something for me? Yes. Yep. You there you something? go. I have a and thing. Can you I make made. it for cheaper than I could get it at Walmart? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Can you make it for cheaper than I can get it at the store? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. saw this thing at the store. It's eight hundred dollars. Can you make it? I'll have you. I'd rather pay you hundred dollars. Well, yeah. I would probably charge you like four grand. So, uh, right. Probably not. Do you yeah, do- but but then if they understand the content, because I've gotten this one. Well, yeah, but if you like make, I'll let you make a video about it, and that way I'll let you. No, know. One, no <laughs> one has gotten to that point. Yet I, that it, exact word, I've had that exact phrase. Well, I'll let you make wow. a video of it, and then you can make your money off it that way. And then yeah. you know, that's we a both smart person. That's that's ballsy though. Yeah, yes, well, but I get it. We've got a potential, you know, I don't take commissions anymore, but we've got a potential commission coming up for local firehouses that are looking to replace their like tables that they eat at in their kitchen. Um, Cool thing. Like it just sounds fun. It's going to involve some vinyl graphics and some tabletop epoxy. It's like a whole party going on over here. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something. If I, if I get the job and I wind up doing it, I'm going to charge them money. And I'm going to make a video about it. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, there's not enough uh, breathing room in my budget to be like, nah, you know what? I'm making my money elsewhere. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> like, and, and that would involve some sort of understanding of the YouTube algorithm as well. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to build this project for you, which probably won't. Well, project videos in general do very poorly. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yep. it'll yeah, probably net much. me a sweet 50. <laughs> Yeah, like when right. it's all said and done. 
Exactly. I can yeah. get a maybe a 75% of my gas tank filled in my truck. Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm ahead connection. of the game. Yeah. <laughs> it's called overhead. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I think that's uh, about all we have to say about that. Matt? F the haters. That's a question. to say about that. F Stupid them. haters. Yeah. I like that. Way to go. I don't know. That's all I have to say about that, really. I don't Good. Know. Anyway, F them. And then you can laugh at them later, like I do. All right. <laughs> this is from Ryan. Uh, this is about drawer slides in a hardwood case. Oh, oh. only to Mark and Matt. Yep. Wow. Sorry, Shit Shannon. Sit back, Shannon. Hit the, out. Hit the bench. Get a drink. <laughs> drawer slides. That's not real woodworking. <laughs> See? That's why he left oh, you off. Man. My wife recently asked me to make a set of nightstands and a dresser for our bedroom. I would like to make these using all hardwood. However, I'm not sure if I should use a bloom undermount drawer slides in the same manner as I have for cabinets in the past. Is there anything I would need to be aware of when it comes to wood movement? Should I use elongated holes to allow for some minor wood movement? Am I giving too much power to all the elusive wood movement? P.S. Shannon, my wife is a nurse. And the only episode she ever, tried, oh. ever listened to was the one where you offended all the nurses. Uh, no <laughs> so wonder he left her, him off. I would like to request a formal apology to all the hardworking nurses who take our vitals and stab us with needles. Thank you in hmm. advance. Wow. That's have, done did that? you do that already? I, I think we have done did. this like seven or eight times. Okay, yeah. well, I think, but I really need to listen to that episode though, again. Shannon, I think your apologies are more like, I'm sorry that <laughs> sorry. your feelings were hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're not actually apologizing. I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> sorry about your feelings, but I'm right. <laughs> wow. Okay, drawer slides, wow. solid wood. I've What'd never done say? this at all. I've done it once. No, nope, one time. Not on solid wood. I have not. I did it on my um, uh, tool cabinet that goes under my workbench. So it was all solid wood case, top, bottom sides. I would say using the elongated slots probably would negate any major issues that you're going to have. I don't think you should think of it as giving too much power to wood movement. That is a real thing and could certainly put a lot of stress on the screws and cause your drawers to be wonky at some point. So I definitely would take advantage of those slotted screw holes and use them. I, I think that's probably your best course of action. You don't have to expect inches of movement, but the movement allowed really, by those. Really deep case. Yeah, right. Yeah. But the movement that's allowed by those, just hit them in the center, hit each one in the center, make sure there's room forward and back. Or I don't know, what would you maybe lock down the front? Think of this like when you're putting like a skirt around something where you immobilize it in the spot that's visible and then let the movement push in another direction, right? So use the small holes at the front and then the elongated holes in the back might be a way for the thing to expand and contract without affecting the front and the reveal and all this stuff with your drawer front. I don't know. seems right. like a good I mean, way to go. That's why they put all those holes in there in the first place. So, you know, yeah. Use yeah. them. Use them. Speed holes. Yes. <laughs> it's for arrow. They go, yeah. They go real fast. Yeah. Make the drawers yeah, faster. Your, your, your drawers open with, <laughs> with less laminar airflow disruption. Yeah, I like that's that. Important. <laughs> You got to be careful. You can get hurt by yeah. an arrow drawer. Comes yeah. out too fast. Too fast. Is oh my god! <laughs> hits you, hits you, knocks you over. It's bad stuff. But then, but then, kickback. He's he'll be okay because his wife's a nurse, and nurses Perfect. are valuable members of society. They really are. Even though yeah. some people undervalue them, right? I disagree with those people. I don't know any of those people. 
So. Uh, by the way, the one of the people who had a problem with my choice of career was a nurse. Okay. Just saying. I mean, for I a point know. on Shannon's side. <laughs> All right. It's not my side. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> people, go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> there is no side. I did not understand their education. I was asking a question. For God's sake. All right. Uh, we're going we're gonna to answer Joe's question now. Joe says, pretend you've just walked into a gallery or showroom and learned that all the pieces in that room were made by the same person. As you look at the pieces, you realize you're very impressed with this person's skills and artisanship. What are you looking at that makes you think this person has those qualities? Mm. In other words, what practice pieces should a beginner attempt next? <laughs> all right, that last little thing to me kind of doesn't, doesn't doesn't work but Not the um, same question yeah um so same. i if i get to that i will discuss that but i might not so this is a very personal thing for me but it, it's interesting because i've had this happen a lot and i i look at a lot of furniture and we all do i mean it's called instagram and if you've ever been doom scrolling through instagram and you're like whoa and you like scroll back up and look at that and i was thinking about this and nine times out of ten it's not the joinery or how difficult that is like i, I follow that one guy who does really cool timbre pieces and it's not so much the technical side of creating the timbers or whatever to me it's the crispness mm-hmm. of the work like yeah and it's, it's a certain so something. hard yeah. yeah it's it's very intangible i mean to me like keeping your lines as sharp as you can without them being sharp like going back a couple episodes about our like stegosaurus like kids furniture guy who was mm-hmm. trying not to impale his kids right. like you don't want it to, to like hurt people but if the more you kind of dull those edges or maybe the more sloppy you get with your sanding or whatever or if your joinery doesn't come together perfectly cleanly or things like that that to me having the christmas is what draws me in like the sharp shadow lines and things like that and this piece there was a lot of thought that went into this piece and putting it together and a lot of craftsmanship required in order to do that i think a lot of people can create a table with mortise and tendon joinery but the more you kind of like have to cover up stuff because it didn't go together quite well or whatever the more those edges get rounded over blurred and things like that like when i cut a molding even if it's just a bead detail obviously that bead detail is a rounded over edge but how crisp is that like quirk that is next to the bead you know how uniform is that bead how crisp is that rounded bead it's a very difficult thing to point to and say that's crisp and that's not but you know it when you see it mm-hmm. and that's what grabs me nine times out of ten um and the first person that to me that comes to mind is like caleb james mm-hmm. like the, the his chairs they're all rounded he's very big into the mid-century style but everything is so crisp yet rounded over it's so Mm -hmm. precise you know daryl peart is another great example i mean and we know his work is super precise but like yeah you can look at it and go dang like it's incredible and it doesn't really matter whether he was building a shaker piece or a green and green piece yeah that um that crispness is what does it for me i feel like this is how does that like it's easier to look at in terms of what's bad like what is a sign that something is not good and not to be mm-hmm. negative, but I do find it easier to point out flaws. And when those flaws aren't present, that's when I look at the piece and go, okay, this is next level stuff here because I don't see any yeah. of this stuff. So I just, while you were talking, jotted down some of the things that I would see on something that makes me go, eh, I don't know. 
Um, so uneven reveals. So as you're looking at anything, it's oh, yeah. like a little bit yeah. of a setback and you see a lack of consistency that can sometimes just be the profile. Like you were mentioning, Shannon is either too aggressive or inconsistent and it makes that yeah. reveal look like it's not the same all the way down. Uneven drawer gaps. So if you have spacing between your drawer fronts and your doors, they better be even. And same thing with hardware. If the hardware, as you look across and you have multiple pieces of hardware, if they aren't dead on, the eye can typically see that stuff. So when you start to see things that are just a little bit off like that, no bueno. Uh, bad proportions. Some, yes. that's, this is hard yes. to spot. But once you get a little bit more experience, you can notice this. This is something I'm trying to improve all the time, trying to decide how much material to allot to a particular piece when you could choose anything. How do you know what to choose? That's where proportions come in. Some just look good and some just look bad. The finish, that's an obvious one, I think, for a lot of people is the finish is low quality and it doesn't look flawless. You'll you'll see it. Sort of a lack of cohesion to the piece where this kind of deals with proportions and wood species, but there might be elements that are curved mixed with elements that are, let's say, more traditional mission style. And you go, well, do these mm-hmm. things really do they go together? You know what I mean? But, but someone just had these two ideas and mushed them together in a way that's incohesive. Um, I call that lack of editing. There's there's too much. There's like, and and it's funny because like green and green is pushing it to me. Like in the green brothers, like, you know, they had their bungalows and they had like a theme that carried Mm -hmm. throughout the gamble house. And that's what make it work. And what happens today is like, you get a guy like Daryl who puts out a book on green and green elements because he did. And it's a great book. Um, and then you get people who like combine gamble with Thorson. Um, and then they throw in some Frank Lloyd Wright at the same time, because it's like, (laughs) well, I read how to do this in this book. So now I'm going to incorporate ebony plugs and those little indents and the, like the, the Suga drawer pull. And it's like, no, 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 (laughs) too much. (laughs) Dial it back, edit it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Another thing would be poor grain choice. Actually, I think Mm -hmm. most people can't see poor grain choice. I would put Mm -hmm. this on the other side of the argument. That's one thing that if you know what to look for, you can see good grain selection. And that's obvious when you know what you're looking for. And then, of course, glue lines and stains. Like if you see any marks, this is part of the finishing, but if you see any marks that just go like, did they even clean the glue on that? Like, look at that thing. You could usually see that. And that tells me not so good. So I don't know. That was just me uh, puking on the page. Things that I look for that tell me that maybe the person is not quite as far along as they could be. And if all those are missing then a person is pretty damn good at what they're doing. So if we extend this to his other question, what practice pieces would a beginner attempt next? See, I don't, I, I think that's All almost a non sequitur. <laughs> like I am a firm believer that there's really nothing above anyone's skill level. Like there's no project. You hear that all the time. Like I, I want to build this one day, but I've got to get my skills up to, up to that point. Yeah. I firmly believe that any complex project can be broken down into simple enough steps yeah. and it just may take you a long time to build it. How do we get that crispness? How do we, which frankly, all the specific things that Mark just said, that's kind of where I was going. He was just much better at breaking it down. Um, I had the intangible crispness. I like extra crispy. <laughs> I want it crisp. Um, yeah. With a little bit of spice. Um, all of those things that's in everything we do. There is no practice piece. Like, well, not that won't make you want to like blow your brains out. Like, how do I, how do I not over sand a project? Well, you could practice sanding a board, like kill me now. And that's kill me now. (laughs) The stuff you're talking about is that's the things that either working alongside someone or just being in it long enough. It's the vision. It's being able to see what's wrong. So, you know, you bring someone in who's never, 
had to refine a tabletop, let's say. But there's a big difference between just hacking at it with a big, you know, oversized round over bit and then letting it go because you don't know you're supposed to sand that edge after it's been routed. And then you sand and you do it inconsistently. So that leads to the problems that I pointed out before. Like there's a lot of those extra things, but you got to know that those problems exist or that you have to have the vision to see the problem in the first place. And that's where some of this, I think can go back a couple episodes to what Matt was talking about, about compounding errors when he was talking about his house and his great room. Right. Like there's, there's a lot and I've, I am guilty of this. Like you'll screw something up and you're like, ah, I'll fix that later. Um, you know, and, and fortunately my hand tool approach does allow a lot of this. Like if this doesn't quite come together or the, the doors may be slightly twisted. Well, once I, attach, hang the door, then I can plane out the twist. Like there, there are some of that makes sense, but the more you push that downstream, Mm -hmm. the harder it is to make the whole thing look crisp. Um, and like, if you're trying to cover things up and finish or like, "Ah, I made this ding here, I didn't get a good grain there. So I'll, I'll add some tent to cover that up. Like that starts to look kind of ham handed because you Mm -hmm. just, you should have taken the time seven steps ago instead of passing the buck down to the trim carpenter and down to the finisher and the plasterer, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, like you said, no, no complex project. It's like you, you should still be able to attempt those complex projects as a learning experience. I think it Mm -hmm. works the other way too. So I don't think you can look at a basic cutting board. Let's say there's cutting boards and then there's, cutting boards like yeah. ones that make you go damn look at that right wow like an Alex like Snod- magic eye thing <laughs> a snodgrass cutting board is a good example um this is a next level cutting board so even as simple as a cutting board is making one that looks refined make it look like something that someone would never want to cut on that actually takes that extra level of skill even though the project itself is fairly <laughs> straightforward making a completely non-functional cutting board no yes. that's craftsmanship <laughs> one that you hang on the wall <laughs> Never cut on it. <laughs> Kitchen decorations. All right. I think that's going to do it for us today. Family owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. Go Rockler! Woohoo! Send us your questions, folks. Our show is, well, it's meant to be a question and answer show. We're often kind of bad at that, but we keep trying. So send us questions and we will try to answer them. Go to woodtalkshow.com. There's a contact form there that you can fill out. You can email us at woodtalkshow at gmail.com. You can submit questions via Instagram at woodtalkshow. Yeah, I think that's it. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Are we on TikTok? You can TikTok us. No. (laughs) Not as woodtalk. Yeah. Not not yet, at least. Don't do that. (laughs) That's cool. enough. That's it. Those we're are good? enough ways. I think we're good. Okay. Send us questions. We like that. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and watching over there on YouTube. And we will see you next time. See you. Bye. See ya. Let's go, Buffs. Mm-hmm.